Well, we are going to jump back into our series called Highways. We've been talking about how God's ways are higher than our ways, how God's ways are higher than our ways in that God's ways are better than our ways. Amen? Amen. That, that, let, let me get a good amen on that one. God's ways are higher than our ways. Yeah, amen. They're, God's ways are way better than our ways. The, the issue, though, is that sometimes we don't understand God's ways, and so we don't want to do things God's way because we think we've got it figured out or, or we just see it a different way. And so when we walk by faith, that's when we do things God's ways, even uh, when we don't understand, but we do want to gain a measure of understanding. We do want to see what uh, God's up to and catch on, catch God's vision for his ways. And so that's why we're going through this. We're looking at different rules, different expectations. Next week, we'll talk about money because then I'm going on a Boundary Waters trip and I'll be gone. So if I make everybody mad, that'll be fine. And they'll be over it by the time I get back. But this week... We're going to talk about uh, forgiveness. So let's pray and we'll get into new material this morning. So Heavenly Father, uh, we just give you praise and we thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for your love and for your compassion for all people around the globe, uh, from us to the opposite side of the planet, Lord. And, and we know that you are over there in Burma, and you are right here. And so, Lord, we ask for your power and your presence to be shown this morning. Lord, I know that each one of us in here needs a different touch from you because we're going through different things. We see things a different way. We just need something different from you. But I know, Lord, that by your spirit, you can touch our hearts uh, just the way we need each one of us. So, Lord, I ask you for that. Bless our time now. Give us something good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So forgiveness, this is a big one. Uh, This is one that's oftentimes is easier to receive than it is to give. Um, Whenever uh, I'm mediating a dispute between people, the person who's done the wrong sees it as less than the person who's been wronged. They see it as more. And so it's easy to think that the thing we're doing isn't as bad as it is, but actually the effect is very strong. So sometimes it's easy for people to accept forgiveness, but it's difficult for people to offer forgiveness. What are Jesus' thoughts on forgiveness? In Matthew 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, just after Jesus goes through the Lord's Prayer, there's two more verses that are very important. And of course, he continues on the Sermon on the Mount. But let's read Matthew 6, 14 and 15, which says this. For if you give, I'm sorry, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. Doesn't that sound good? We forgive, we get forgiven. Hallelujah. That's a wonderful thing. Verse 15. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. That's pretty strong. You know, if you don't forgive, you disqualify yourself from forgiveness. Isn't that an unfortunate situation? How many people want to make sure you avoid being disqualified for forgiveness? Oh man, 
We need forgiveness. We all need forgiveness. And so God's plan is not just for us to receive forgiveness and hoard it, but to receive forgiveness and share it. To be forgiven and to be people who forgive. And Jesus explains some of the concept of this with the parable of the unmerciful servant in Matthew chapter 18. So let's read through that. Matthew 18, um, starting in verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? And again, I think Peter was pretty confident with seven. How many times have you had to forgive someone? Have you ever had to forgive somebody twice? That's getting to be quite a few times. Three times? That's a lot. Seven? The same person? Wouldn't you start getting frustrated? Wouldn't you start being like, hey, I'm, I'm going to draw some boundaries now. You're, you're a problem for me. Shall I up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times or 70 times seven. Some translations say, but the number doesn't matter. What Jesus is saying is just keep forgiving. You be a person of forgiveness. You be a person that offers forgiveness. Let your well of forgiveness not run dry. That's what Jesus is saying. And so he explains a parable to help us understand what's going on. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. So we talked about talents in the, the, uh, the parable of the talents. And one was given five, one was given two, one was given one talent. And a talent was a measure of weight. It's the amount that a man could carry approximately 70 pounds. So if you think of carrying 70 pounds of silver coins, that would be a talent of silver. So as much as you could carry in a pack on your back. And this individual owes 10,000 of those. Obviously, meaning more than you could pay back. Do, have we sinned against God more than what we could pay back through good deeds? Man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. So he's begging for mercy. He owes 10,000 talents. He's not going to be able to pay, but he's begging for mercy anyway because he doesn't want to be sold. He doesn't want his family broken up. He doesn't want to face the consequences of this debt. So what happens? Verse 27, the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt and let him go. So the servant's master took pity on him and erased the 10,000 talent debt. This is a major financial loss for the master. Erased the debt, had mercy and said, you know what? Just forget it. Uh, We'll just set you free. Is that a big moment? Is our moment of salvation, of forgiveness, of receiving the forgiveness of God, going from death to life, from condemnation into the kingdom of God, everlasting life. Is that a big moment? Yeah. Amen. That's a big moment. Is that just between us and God or should that affect how we relate to other people as well? Let's keep reading. 28. 
But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. So this was much less than one talent. He grabbed him and began to choke him. (laughs) So apparently the, the happiness and peace of being forgiven was not in this man's heart. He was still wanting to choke people for the debts against him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. We heard that earlier in the parable. The man who owed the 10,000, be patient with me, and I will pay you back. This one, 100 denarii, be patient with me, I will pay you back. What's the man's response? But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay back the debt. So back then, they had what was called debtor's prison. If you owed someone, you got thrown in prison until you would pay back the debt. How much money are you going to make while you're in prison? Nothing. You just had to hope you had friends or family who would pay the debt for you and then get you out. So he has him thrown in prison. Is this, is this a problem? Do you, see, do you see something like he should be more thankful? He's not being uh, a good person who is recognizing that he's been given something tremendous, so he should offer the same thing. Verse 31, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Now, we're still in the parable, right? So the master puts the debt back on him. Oh, yeah, you do owe 10,000 talents, and you're the one going to debtor's prison, and they're going to torture you until you pay it back. But we're still in the parable. What does this mean? Well, Jesus explains it in the next verse. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. It's deep breath time. It's swallow hard time, right? Like, wow, that's very, very strong. Why so strong? Why is Jesus so strong on forgiveness? This is harsh, heavy stuff. Why so strong? Well, let's dig in a little deeper. Let's try to see things from a, a broader perspective, see if we can't grab hold of this. Um, so, you know, when, when we decide to follow Christ, we start to learn and grow and develop and get better at being Christians, right? It's a, the process, they call it sanctification, but it's just, it's the rise up part of reach up, rise up, reach out. Let's get better at this. Let's learn some things. And so uh, I just put together a loose progression of how we grow in our relationship with other people as Christians. Because, you know, the, in the Ten Commandments, six of them were how we treat other people. It's, it's about interactions with God, interactions with people, our attitude towards God, our attitude towards people. So how do we progress into uh, being a person who loves others? You know, we're called to love. God loves us. We're called to love God and love our neighbor, the two greatest commandments. So what does love your neighbor mean? How do we make that progression? And again, this, I just put this together yesterday. It's not that fancy, uh, but I think it'll help us for this morning. So how do we learn and grow? Well, first thing, of course, you got to stop being evil 
right? Don't be evil. If you're evil to people, that's not love. That's not the progression. So stop being evil. Uh, Titus 3.3 says this. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. This is a description of a way of life, of a mentality of how to live in this world. It's strife. It's battling. You know, do unto others before they do unto you. It's that mentality of you're just trying to get ahead. You're pushing people down so you can get around them. Being hated and hating one another. That mentality. That's a harsh place to be. This world is full of that mentality still today. But when we become Believers in Jesus, we are called out of that to stop being hated and hating one another and just being part of the fighting to get ahead. But we become people of love, and so we stop being evil to one another. That's kind of step one. Step two, be honest. We talked about that last week. We need to be people of truth. We need to speak the truth. But in order to do that, we have to be people who can hear the truth. Then we've got to believe the truth. Don't believe lies about yourself. Don't believe lies. Believe the truth and then live as a person of truth. That's, we got to be people of truth. Then we need to be fair. Did you know there is no favoritism with God? So we quit being evil. Then we be people of truth. Now we're fair. We're fair to each person. We're not showing favoritism. God does not show favoritism. We are not to show favoritism as we work with people. Next one, submit to authority. Did you know there's hierarchies in this world? If you get a job, you will have a boss. If your boss asks you, because your boss is a very kind person, to sweep the floor, what do you say? Yes, sir. And you sweep the floor. What if the floor was just swept 15 minutes ago and your boss says, yeah, I know, sweep the floor. What do you do? Sweep the floor, right? That's how it works. We respect authority. We follow authority. And we do that in, uh, in the secular world, you know, within reason. Your boss says, go shoot people. Well, then don't do that. But you know what I'm saying? There, there can be lines with that. But we do respect authority. And we respect authority in the workplace, in the home, in church, at school. Hebrews 13, 17 talks about in the church. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Men who must give an account to who? To God. So I will stand before God and give an account for Good Hope Church. I'm very conscious of this. I am anticipating that day. And I am planning how to justify the things that I've done. Amen? I need to think, okay, this policy, I'm going to stand before God and talk about this policy. This, you know, I have to do that. This strategy, this ministry strategy, I will have to stand before God because what if it's ineffective? And more people could have known Christ if I had just had a different attitude. I will stand before God. But... What do we do for people who must stand before God? Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that would be of no advantage to you. So what I'm saying is I take very, very seriously the policies, the procedures, the ways we do things here because I will stand before God. Help me out. 
right? Help me out. I've thought it through. And then if you see something that I don't see, tell me. Great. Fantastic. We'll work together and see good things. But understanding authority, submitting to authority is an important part of how we interact with people. And then the next thing is including those beneath you. So it's not just about understanding people above you in the authority structure. It's about understanding people beneath you in authority and in the social structure, that sort of a thing. Romans twelve sixteen says this. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. So what this is saying is we all uh, kind of put ourselves in a particular place in the social hierarchy, right? You may, be wrong, you, may, you may be wrong in your evaluation of where you are in the social hierarchy, but we all kind of put ourselves in there. And the reality is, is that we are always to view people that we consider beneath us as equal and to lift them up and include them and not have it be a deal. Amen. That's part of being a believer and following Christ is associating with people of low position, having that not be an issue, not be like, well, you're not good enough for me. I'm going to go talk to these people. It isn't that way. We're to bring everybody up to us. So not be conceited. We include those beneath us. Then we need to show mercy. So this is kind of a progression, right? Stop being evil towards people. Be honest. Be fair. Submit to authority. Include those beneath you. It's kind of getting harder as we go. Now show mercy. I've heard showing mercy described as not giving people what they deserve. So God's mercy to us is not to give us the judgment we deserve. That's God's mercy, to not give you what you deserve. So we be merciful towards people. There are times where we could... Uh, Be people of wrath, but instead we turn the other cheek. We are merciful. And then having grace for people. Grace is when you give people what they don't deserve. So grace is showing kindness when someone doesn't deserve kindness. It's speaking life over someone when they don't deserve to have life spoken over them. It's giving a good thing that is undeserved. That's grace. Let's look at Colossians 4, 6, to see grace. Colossians 4, 6. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Let your conversation always be full of grace. So when we're speaking to people, we're speaking good things over them that they do not deserve. That's grace in conversation. Then, I would put above that, The ability to forgive. Forgiveness is when we erase a debt that is owed us because someone has sinned against us or against someone we love and we erase the debt. That's forgiveness. Would you agree with me that that is not the easiest thing to do? It's not the beginning of the list, but as we learn and grow and develop, it's way up there at the black belt level of following Christ is offering forgiveness. It's difficult. If we're honest, I would, I would believe that each one of us in here right now has a measure of unforgiveness towards somebody in some way right now. 
I would anticipate it's universal. However, Jesus is very strong on this forgiveness thing. Forgive, you'll be forgiven. Don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. Very strong. Very, very strong. So what do we do? Now, I think there's one step past forgiveness that we'll talk about here in just a minute in this spiritual progression, this difficult things we have to do in our interactions with people. But forgiveness is very important. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff to say about forgiveness. We're not going to be able to cover very much of it. Just a little bit. All right. So if you think something's going unsaid, you're right. (laughs) Lots of things are going unsaid. So why is Jesus so strong on forgiveness? Here's my simple answer is that without forgiveness, God's plan doesn't work. Without forgiveness, God's plan doesn't work. Now, wouldn't it be terrible if God's plan for creation didn't work? If it all fell apart? God's plan requires our ability to forgive in order for it to work. What's God's plan? Here's God's plan. I'm going to tell you God's plan. God's plan is to create His kingdom, his eternal kingdom, which is a community of intelligent, free-willed, creative beings that are interacting with God and with each other. And this community goes on forever and there is no pain, no tears, no sin. Everything is good for forever. That's God's plan. We call it heaven. Now, let me ask you this simple question. If you were there right now, would you wreck it? Is anybody going to look at you funny in heaven? Is anybody going to say something bad about you behind your back in heaven? No. All these things must be eliminated for this to work. Right? It's, it's difficult because creative, free-willed, intelligent beings, what do they tend to create? Do you know, this is why what we say is so important. We get to be creative like God. He gave us this ability. Just like he created the universe, we can create sentences. We can create all these different things. There's people who build houses. They create things. There's artists. There's, we have this creative capacity. But when we speak, we put things into existence that weren't there before. And you can speak evil over somebody. Anybody ever spoken something evil over somebody? You just created some evil. You just put that into this world. If you're going to speak evil and you're in heaven, it's going to wreck it, right? But the problem is all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all messed this up. So what do we do? How is God trying to get his plan to work? Well, let me run through a few attempts in quotes. 
Because God, of course, knows the plan. He knows the end from the beginning. He's not trying stuff and, oh, wow, that didn't work. I wonder what I'll do now. You know, that's not how God works. But he does work through a progression so that we can see what won't work. So how is God trying to establish his kingdom? Have you ever thought, why doesn't God just put us straight in heaven? So we don't have to deal with all this garbage. We just go straight to heaven. Well, he did that before Adam and Eve. He put all the angels, a whole society of angels in heaven. And Satan and a third of the angels rebelled and there was war in heaven. There was a civil war in heaven. So when people were just put right there, or angels, they didn't understand it. They took it for granted and there was war. I don't know what your view of heaven is, but most people don't view it as having the scars of war. So just putting all these intelligent, creative beings in heaven right away didn't work. How about we just make it really, 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 really simple. Let's start with, you know how it's hard to get a group of 20 to agree. Let's just start with two. Let's just make it really, and let's not have a bunch of rules. Let's just have one real simple. That's Adam and Eve in the garden. How did that go? Didn't work. Have you ever thought, why doesn't God just get rid of the bad guys? Why doesn't you just wipe them out? Noah's flood. Didn't work. How about, you know, let's do a kingdom of God fantasy draft. Let's pick all the best people and let's put them together and maybe it'll work with the best people. That's Abraham and the chosen people. How about, well, okay, they're not getting it. Let's just spell it out letter by letter. That's Moses and the law. All these things didn't work for establishing God's kingdom, for making his plan come to pass. But there was, and then there's other things, of course, that God did, different things. But then the final plan isn't wipe out the bad guys. It isn't exclude the bad guys. It's the plan of redemption, which is to take the sinner, to take the person who's failed, to take the person who's spoken evil in this world, who's done deeds of darkness, and to redeem them. And make them citizens of the kingdom of heaven. To take the broken and to mend them. To make them right and make them citizens. Then we have the experience of darkness without having to be destroyed. That's the synthesis of God's love and God's justice. Is redemption. And redemption is one step higher than forgiveness Because redemption requires a price. Imagine if to forgive someone, you had to pay $10,000. Okay, you you lied to me and hurt my feelings. Now I have to give $10,000 to forgive you. That's redemption. You have to pay. Jesus paid to forgive. He paid the price On the cross for our forgiveness. Jesus is not calling us to redeem. Only he can do that. But he is calling us to forgive. Because if we don't forgive. The plan of redemption is messed up. Because we have to go from death to life. We have to go from wicked to righteous. We have to make the transition. And if we're being pushed back. I'm going to invite the prayer teams up. We're going to close here in just a minute. 
But I don't know if this happened to you in elementary school, but I remember it happening to me. Have you ever been accused of something you didn't do? And so then you decided, well, I'm just going to do it anyway. Because they think I'm doing it. I might as well do it. You know? Ever thought that? Here's the deal. When we put expectations on people, you're a bad person. You're never going to amount to anything. You're never going to get out of that sin. You're never going to be a good person. You're never going to be worth it. You're not going to be there. Then they get stuck there. But when we say, I forgive you, come on up. You don't need to stay there. Come on up. Then that community called the kingdom starts to grow and we start to get to be part of it because it's not just between me and God. This community, this kingdom is an us thing. And we have to work together. And as I said last week, we're all messed up. So without forgiveness, it isn't going to work. Forgiveness is meant to take sins away, to erase the wrong and bring us into freedom. Our closing scripture is Titus 2, 11 through 14. Let's read that. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is right. Jesus is our Redeemer. He paid the price so that God's justice could be fulfilled and God's love could be fulfilled. Jesus paid the price. We don't pay the price. We just agree with what Jesus did and we offer forgiveness. Now there's, of course, like I mentioned before, there's so many things that need to be said about forgiveness that we don't have time to say. I believe it's, it's a black belt level Christian skill is forgiveness in difficult situations. It's not just a simple choice. It's a top level thing, but we want to fight to get there. Let me ask you two questions and we'll pray. What do you need to be redeemed from? Jesus redeems us from the darkness, from our dark way of life. What in your heart do you need to be redeemed from? To have your heart changed, the price paid so God's justice is fulfilled, but you can step into newness of life. What do you need to be redeemed from? And then the second one, what do you need to release to the Lord? Who do you need to forgive? What do you need to let go? You know, God will deal with them. Just because you forgive doesn't mean that God isn't going to hold them accountable. They have to answer to God. They will stand before God. If I mess the church all up and then you forgive me, I still have to stand before God. So when we forgive, it's, it's between people. They still have to face the Lord. But what do you need to release and leave room for God's wrath?
Let's pray together. Let's seek out those things. And then I'll invite people up for personal prayer. So when it's time for personal prayer, whatever the need is, you want to start a relationship with Jesus, get prayer. If you need a healing, whatever it is, come get prayer. But let's pray together along these lines first. So Heavenly Father, we see that you expect us to forgive. And so we say, increase our faith. Help us to grab hold of this. We see that your plan is a plan to bring broken people, to bring sinners, failures, people with problems into your kingdom through redemption. And we need to participate in that with forgiveness. Lord, show us how we need to be redeemed. What is something in our heart, in our life, that we need to let you redeem us from and be free from? Let us believe in your power to redeem and let us step into newness of life. And Lord, what do we need to release to you? What grudge, what unforgiveness, what thing do we hold that we need to release? Lord, I pray right now that by your spirit, hands would open, that clenched fists would soften and open and release that to you. Lord, show us what that is and let us release it right now. Father, I thank you that those you have set free are free indeed. That we are not bound, we are not tied by other people's sins, but we are free. Lord, let us walk in that freedom. Let us receive your redemption and let us offer forgiveness. Let us be people of peace. Lord, I pray a blessing over each person in this place. Lord, let that peace rest on us. Lord, let your joy be in us. And Father, let us know the extent of your love that brings redemption and freedom. And let us share that with others. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.